0: So the Costa Rican government got hacked, not one department, not one website, pretty much the whole thing shut down by a ransomware attack and not that there's ever a great time for an unprecedented cybersecurity breach of a nation's entire government, but the timing on this one was extra bad as it took place right as a new president, Rodrigo Chavez, a former finance minister was sworn into office. One of his first measures, signing a law declaring a national emergency, usually reserved for natural disasters, for this hack. Usually reserved for the second week in power. (laughs) Normally you gotta wait like 10 days before you drop one of these. (laughs) Now for this hack that had essentially shut down the government. To turn it back on, the hackers, a group called Conti, wanted 10 million dollars for the decryption keys. But this is different than most ransomware attacks, not just because it's a government, which Conti and other groups have done before, and not just because they really truly managed to shut down the government, which would itself be novel. This one's different because of why this all happened and what Conti did when Costa Rica refused to pay, which is to suggest that if Costa Rica's government wouldn't pay the fee to decrypt these files and turn back on the government, well, the Costa Rican people should just overthrow them. Staging a coup as a ransomware negotiation strategy, that is new and attention-grabbing. And slowly, it started to become clear that the attention-grabbing is maybe the point. More than the money, more than staging a ransomware revolution, it's starting to look like maybe this is specifically about the attention, about distracting the world while Conti transformed into something new. So we called up Leon Weinstock, the director of the Costa Rica office of the law firm BLP and a specialist in data and privacy protection law, to talk about the legal and political fallout of all this, and importantly, why you would hack a country, here on Hacked. When you first bumped into this story, was your sense they did this for the lulls?
1: Yeah, it was like the the first thing because it was like they were demanding um, like X million dollars. They had taken over like a bunch of like serious government services, and then and then like this was right when it was happening, like day zero. Mm -hmm. And and then they were just like, yeah, you know what? Maybe we want the government out of power. (laughs) It's like, and it just like seemed like they were like, yeah, we got enough money from doing this to other people like now we want to cause social revolution <laughs> like just because you know that's a cool thing to have done in your life
0: yeah maybe just sort of casually staging a coup is what we feel like doing on tuesday so forget the money let's just go with the coup
1: exactly it, it, it at least that's how it came across initially it was like you know hey if you don't pay that's fine we're just going to get you thrown out of power by like destroying the government and it was like okay like may like why not
0: when I think at first that was sort of intentional and it's just gotten weirder from there.
2: So it is difficult at this time to know all the consequences. It is being said that they may last for several
0: months or, or, or years. So my first question for Leon was basically like, Bird's Eye View, how bad has this been?
2: Right now the the all the consequences are not uh, known or have not happened yet because for example in customs there the uh, it is getting slower to export or or import uh, products it being said that the government will be able to collect less taxes also there isn't a lot of information of uh, what the information is really compromised, or, or, and or if the government will be able to restore the information. There isn't any formal communication right now, although that we
0: have our speculations. So the hack took place in April, April 12th, and it basically shut down Costa Rica systems for collecting taxes, their systems for paying pensions, and importantly, as we've been discussing, a lot of the systems overseeing their exports and imports process and for paying government employees. Uh, To date, the finance and labor ministries still can't access any kind of computer systems. The timeline here is interesting. April 12th, Carlos Alvarado Quesada, the former president, was still in power. And it wasn't until after May 8th when Rodrigo Chavez takes over, when he says, okay, I'm going to declare this state of emergency. And this story kind of starts to go public.
2: Also, there was an emergency declaration in Costa Rica.
0: We have a law
2: for emergencies that Usually, it was uh, it has been used for when there is, for example, a natural uh, emergency, earthquakes, uh, a lot of rain, or whatever. That this allows the government to uh, refrain from complying with some formal procedures and to obtain budget from, for from other purposes or to make faster procedures. So this was the first emergency declaration for a cyber attack.
1: One quick clarification. So the attack had begun under the old president. And it was kind of like, here's the keys to the car. Sorry about its condition. And like exit stage left. Like that's kind of what happened. Like, oh, by the way, the government's under a crazy
0: information security attack. It looks like that. uh,
1: And have
0: fun. Enjoy. Wow. So the Costa Rica hack is a double extortion hack, which we've talked about before, where they want payment not just to decrypt the encrypted systems, but then a second payment uh, to not leak the data publicly.
2: What, what it is true that
0: we can say right now is that they have more than one month without the
2: information and they have not been able to restore the, the information nor the systems.
0: It's interesting, since Costa Rica happened in April and this story went public, uh, Conti, the gang, has actually gone on to hack another country, Peru. But that hack is useful in that it reveals what's novel about this one. In Peru and most other like nation state hacks, uh, the gang hasn't been able to block access to those core essential systems for any super long period of time. They haven't been double extortion schemes. They're mostly just pay us or we'll leak this information. Costa Rica is pretty unique because they've truly shut down access to government systems for well over a month now.
2: However, the difference or the main difference, for example, between Costa Rica and Peru is that, for example, in in Peru, they were not able to uh, block the systems. As far as I know, they were only able to, uh, to, to to obtain information. And they were requesting a payment to refrain from discovering the information, but the, they have been—they have not blocked the systems. So this is like the main consequence in Costa Rica.
1: So Peru kept. Peru kept operating kind of as is, like they're, they restored from backup and kept moving ahead, dealing with like the crisis on the side of their desk. Is that kind of the the vibe?
0: Yeah, the damage in Peru, I haven't read as much about that one, but what I've read is that it's not nearly as bad as what's happening in Costa Rica. The the thing that's unique about Costa Rica in a lot of ways is just how rough this is turning out to be. Mm-hmm. So April 12th, Costa Rica gets hacked. May 8th, the new president takes over and says, hey, this situation's pretty bad. We're gonna need some kind of legal authority to do something here. I'm declaring this national emergency. So I asked Leon, why would you do that? And As he explained it, it kind of comes down to the laws surrounding negotiating with a ransomware hacker as a government. If your stuff gets hacked, you can choose to pay or to not pay. If you're the CEO of a big corporation, you can choose whether or not to write that check. Whether you should, interesting question, but the choice is still yours. But if you're a person working in the government, it's legally very difficult to pay that ransom even if you wanted to. You can't really spend that much money without a corresponding line item in a budget. And when that line item is for ransom for decryption keys, we have zero guarantee we'll actually ever get. It gets even more complicated. Leon, again, a lawyer, explained to me that there haven't really been any negotiations with Conti, because negotiating with Conti would be an actual crime. And
2: to be honest, as far as I know, I don't know if there were some uh, backdoor negotiation, but negotiations. But as far as I know and I have heard, there have not been any negotiation with uh, with Conti because also the uh, for the government to proceed with a payment, it's almost impossible because the laws here require a budget and you have to proceed with a formal payment. It's not like you can proceed with a payment to a gang like this or a criminal organization. So, negotiations have not even started as far as I, I have been publicly known. Let's assume that you find the budget. You, you will be receiving an invoice. You will sign an agreement. You will uh, how you how you are sure that you are going to receive the uh, keys uh, from the payment, and uh, all those aspects that usually are being discussed when you are negotiation negotiating with a, a cyber criminal in a cyber attack all those aspects when you are a public government are much more difficult to to solve because at the end, if it's a private company the CEO will say okay, thank you for the information I assume the risks. but for the president to say that that may be considered a crime for the president to authorize this payment so any president will
0: sign any payment that may get So since April, the state is somewhere between refusing and incapable of negotiating with Conti, which is when Conti decides, okay, we're going to ratchet up the pressure in this very public, very attention-grabbing way. First, they start dropping leaks, this big 672 gigabyte file on the dark web. But importantly, and this is kind of when we found this story, they make these first posts these posts starting to threaten to delete the decryption keys, paired with this very unique threat. The first one goes, We appeal to every resident of Costa Rica to go to your government and organize rallies so that they would pay us as soon as possible. And if your current government cannot stabilize the situation, maybe it's worth changing it. And that provocative idea of if they won't pay us, maybe you overthrow them sparks the first wave of media coverage. Then it was followed by another post on May 17th where they really drive the point home. They write, quote, We are determined to overthrow the government by means of a cyber attack. That gets more coverage. They see it's working, they do another one. I once again appeal to the residents of Costa Rica to go out on the street and demand payment. If they won't negotiate with us, overthrow them. But here's what's pretty interesting about that. In the weeks following that first May 8th announcement, Conti starts really upping upping the pressure. But even as they're doing that, again, there's no evidence that they're negotiating in any way with the Costa Rican government, even as they're making increasingly public calls for the people of Costa Rica to overthrow that government, they're not talking to the government. So Conti has publicly posted that they've requested 10 million bucks for the decryption keys that would basically turn Costa Rica back on. And I was curious for Leon's opinion on this, like $10 million in the context of this isn't that much money, right?
1: (laughs) Well, you imagine just, imagine paying a bunch of public servants to do nothing for a month and then paying them all to catch up for all the work that wasn't done in that month. $10 million
0: would be like a steal of a deal in most countries anyway. It would be in Costa Rica as well, (laughs) which makes you wonder, Is this really about the money? I'm not sure if this was ever for the money, because, unfortunately,
2: the damages for Costa Rica right now have been much more higher than 10 million. So, if there was 5, 10, 15, 100, the situation will be the, the same. So, I'm not sure about the, what the expectation of this case, because also, uh, the security measures in Costa Rica from the central government were very, very low. So uh, it wasn't not so difficult attack for one team, But also uh, it is known that for a government like for in Costa Rican structure, it would be impossible to pay. So uh, to be honest, to know the purposes of the attack, it's real difficult. So, some some News have
1: said that this was like a decoy. So this is like a this is like a like a sandbox almost. Like they're just trying to bait them into paying the ten million so that they're in violation of some law and gets them thrown out of power and put in jail Oh like
0: interesting. Some long like con. A long, long con. con. It's a long con. It's not that long con, but that's an interesting long con. <laughs> that brings us pretty well back to Conti. We're not gonna do a deep dive into who Conti is, that would be its own whole thing. But what you need to know is that Conti is something between a strain of ransomware and a ransomware gang that uses this specific software product they've developed. They are a very big fish in the world of private Russian cybercrime gangs. There was some early speculation when this all started that because Costa Rica had aligned itself with Ukraine, that in the context of that war, maybe this was a political gesture. Any friend of our enemies is our enemy type thing. Mm -hmm. But it looks like that's probably not it. In 2021, uh, Conti extorted 100 million bucks from the victims, making them one of the bigger ransomware gangs in the world. But it's when they really publicly backed the Russian invasion of Ukraine that things started to actually kind of get messier for Conti. At the start of this year, Conti published a post on their website supporting the Russian invasion. Anyone who opposes it, opposes Conti. We are on the side of this war. Which, in retrospect, is kind of a pretty big mistake for Conti and would go on to have really huge implications for Costa Rica, because a month later in response to this support of the war on February 28th, someone hacked Conti, a revenge hacking. An anonymous Twitter account called ContiLeaks released more than 60,000 chat messages between different members of the gang. They released their source code for the Conti ransomware, internal documents, their org chart. All of this gets published publicly. It was one of the largest leaks of a cybercrime gang ever. Accompanying this big leak, three words, glory to Ukraine. And suddenly, the world has a really, really good look at how Conti was organizing itself, how it worked, and its political and economic goals suddenly this group that was really good at hanging out in the shadows had a huge spotlight shining on top of it. And for the first time, we got a great look at how one of these huge gangs really operate. Uh, Conti has an HR department. It has administrators, it has coders and researchers, it has best practices and policies for how hackers should access their source code. It has basically a CEO, this guy codenamed Stern. The exact number of membership ebbs and flows over time, but it's about 100 people and they earned about $180 million wow. in revenue last year.
1: Like a proper organized crime syndicate?
0: With this very popular product, this ransomware strain that bears their name. But it starts to become clear over the last few weeks that announcing their support for the Russian invasion of Ukraine was kind of a miscalculation. First, it led to them getting hacked, leaked, and exposed. Then the U.S. placed a $15 million bounty on the kind of top brass of Conti folks like Stern. And that's all happening right as Russia's seemingly endless support for these groups was starting to get kind of iffy. We talked about this in the Our evil episode. Russia used to turn a blind eye to the private hacking gangs inside of Russia, as long as those gangs didn't target Russians. But following the start of that war, that sort of implicit immunity hasn't quite been so steadfast. Russia's proven willing to arrest Russian cybercriminals if they get too much attention on them which Conti had. And suddenly this big apex predator was starting to look like prey. Their brand had become toxic. So what they're most vulnerable, this infamous international hacking gang goes off and pulls off this unprecedented shutdown of a foreign country, Costa Rica. And they're making just a ton of noise about it, pushing for these negotiations that they know won't happen earning a ton of press by calling for people to topple the state if the state doesn't pay, which it can't, which Leon again pointed out was never gonna work. I do not think that there was a
2: a political dimension of this because uh, we are proud and it's true that the Costa Rican democratic system is very strong. To take down a government in Costa Rica has not happened in 80 years, more or less, or more. Uh, we thankfully have a very,
0: a very strong democratic system. So I think that that was a pressure strategy. Conti has essentially engineered a press spectacle with this ransomware attack more than an opportunity to make profit. Right as they're at their most vulnerable, which raises the question of why. And then 10 days ago, it's looking like we got an answer to that. Do tell. Right after the break. <laughs>
3: this episode is brought to you by shopify All you want is to meet your security and compliance requirements, but your business technology keeps changing. Cyber threats emerge every day. More regulations apply to you now than ever before, and your IT resources remain limited. The Center for Internet Security can help. At CIS, we work to create a safer world for people, businesses, and governments through collaboration and innovation. Using a community-driven consensus process, we work with IT professionals and volunteers around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. These resources save you time, money, and effort wherever you are on your cybersecurity journey. We also work with US state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations to share information with one another so they're stronger together. Join us today in creating confidence in the connected world. Visit cisecurity.org to play your part. All you want is to meet your security and compliance requirements, but your business technology keeps changing. Cyber threats emerge every day. More regulations apply to you now than ever before, and your IT resources remain limited the Center for Internet Security can help. At CIS, we work to create a safer world for people, businesses, and governments through collaboration and innovation. Using a community-driven consensus process, we work with IT professionals and volunteers around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. These resources save you time, money, and effort wherever you are on your cybersecurity journey. We also work with U.S. state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations to share information with one another, so they're stronger together. Join us today in creating confidence in the connected world. Visit cisecurity.org to play your part.
0: What a nightmare for the incoming president! Oh, can you fucking imagine? Like you take over. And they're like, by the way. FYI, here's the keys.
1: Also the car is infested with malware. Yeah, See you're on fire.
0: <laughs> Enjoy your new your Toyota. It's full of bees. It's just hornets and bees <laughs> all the way down <laughs> F- I was like when you
1: were describing it, I was like, I feel like like if it is illegal to pay these guys and buy them out, I feel like there's a there's a there's a conspiracy theory deep inside of there. Being like the outgoing president who didn't want to lose, you know, set the plant for this and sure. blah blah blah. And now, sure. now the new incoming president either has the option of shutting down the government oh. or being thrown from power for turning the government back on. It's like what a lovely <laughs> what a lovely situation to find yourself in on the first day of office.
0: Oh yeah. And you'll know if <laughs> you'll know if the next guy committed a crime if everything works again, exactly. like you can, you can yeah. tell. Yeah, that's very clever. So there's a, there's a deep seated,
1: uh, what's it called in there somewhere? Conspiracy theory yeah. in there for the conspiracy
0: theorists around about a conspiracy inside of this very conspiratorial story. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there's a deeper level. Yeah. There's a deeper level. It's like we're three twists deep right now. And you're like, hold up, hold up, hold up. What about let's a, let's go
1: level? deeper. <laughs>
0: So there's this cybersecurity firm called Advanced Intel, and they kind of cracked this whole thing open. Ten days ago, they publish a post with some news about Conti, news about this gang right as they're in the middle of this nation-state scale hack. The Conti ransomware gang has shut down. Their operation is down, their infrastructure is taken offline, and team leaders are telling people this brand, Conti, is no more. the question is, like, why would you hack Costa Rica right in the middle of all that? Because we know it's not about the money because these negotiations are illegal. And we can be pretty confident it wasn't to topple the government. So why would you do all this damage if you're just going to shut down anyway? In an interview with Bleeping Computer, one of the main researchers at Advanced Intel, Yassili Bukoslavsky, uh, told him his theory, and I think it's a pretty good one, which is that Conti conducted this very public attack to create a facade of this really thriving, ambitious operation, while all the membership snuck off to other smaller ransomware operations. Operations without multi-million dollar bounties on their heads, without giant embarrassing leaks and huge spotlights beaming down on them. To quote Yasili, the researcher, the only goal Conti had wanted to meet with this final attack was to use this platform as a tool of publicity. Pu- like performing their own death and rebirth in the most plausible way it could have been conceived. The agenda to conduct the hack on, uh, the attack on Costa Rica for the purpose of publicity instead of ransom was declared internally by the Conti leadership. The number they wanted was made up. The negotiations weren't real. The purpose of the hack was a lie. It was a publicity stunt to distract the world where they ran off. So where does that leave the players in all this? First, we've got, you know, Conti. Bogoslavsky told Bleeping Computer that instead of rebranding as another large ransomware operation, the leadership had instead made partnerships with a bunch of smaller ransomware gangs who they would sort of transition all their teams to, to then keep conducting attacks. Smaller ransomware gangs get a bunch of really experienced Conti pen testers and negotiators and operators. The Conti group gets a bunch of mobility and a bunch of kind of evasive space to maneuver against law enforcement by splitting into these smaller sales. Mm-hmm. They basically shove off this big toxic brand name. The gangs get new talent. Everyone in that community wins. And then there's the other half of this, Costa Rica, who unilaterally loses in this situation. There's no one really for Costa Rica to negotiate with anymore. Even if uh, the new president's emergency measures gave them some kind of legal authority to do so, those decryption keys are probably gone, like lost in this chaos, uh, behind which sits access to the entire government's back end. Leon pointed out to me that even if they could turn these systems back on, they're now months out of date and need to be basically rebuilt.
2: This will have to be uh, rebuilt again because the tax... It has passed a lot of time right now. There will be another monthly declaration of the VAT in the beginning of June. Uh, uh, It is clear that this this will continue the same, and this will be very, very difficult to, to restore because as time passes, you also, let's say that you can recover the information as of April 18th, but right now you have to reveal one month and a half, it will be almost two months, and as time goes, may going, keep, keeps going, it may be more difficult to rebuild all the information. We are not talking about two invoices per day, we are talking about a lot of information.
1: Well, could you imagine trying to do taxes without the system that manages taxes? Yep. Like, imagine there's like big paper registers being filled out right mm-hmm. now to track because the government still needs revenue, I'm imagining they've got some emergency like, sure, you know, funds coming in from the IMF or something to help deal with this. But like at the same time, it's like I couldn't even imagine trying to reconcile national taxes back into a data system and expect the data to go in cleanly. Like it's a surprise that it even works when it's all functioning. Let alone. <laughs> Like trying to rebuild it off of like whatever they're doing, spreadsheets or paper registers or however they're whatever Mm -hmm. band-aid solution that they've, you know, spun up
0: to help deal with it. So So. really all you can do is rebuild. Yeah. And Leon doesn't think they're likely to get those keys. He wishes they would, obviously, but seeing what's happened to Conti, he doesn't think it's super likely.
2: Given that we are in the middle uh, of the storm. Uh, of county Storm, it will be difficult to estimate what will happen with the Costa Rican murder. It's not that they will. Okay, we are separating. Okay, I will give you the the keys to establish your information. That will not happen.
1: It, it's almost like, what's the harm now? You know. Yeah, if Conti's mostly gone. Somebody must have the keys. You know, they didn't throw them away. You know, like they're sitting on somebody's thumb drive. Like you, you assume selfish greed would take over at some point, and somebody who has possession of them would just be like, "Yeah, ten million, sure, here it go." Like, like who doesn't want ten million dollars for something that's sitting on their thumb drive? Like, I just assume greed would would solve this problem
0: wrapped up by talking about what this is probably going to mean for Costa Rica moving forward. This was a publicity stunt for Conti, but it has been the exact opposite for Costa Rica. They have been identified as a victim of a cyber attack. They have been identified as being vulnerable in news story after news story as being kind of this first, a whole nation declaring a national emergency for a cyber attack. It is a bad look that makes them look like a really good target. So, they have to rebuild. But now they have to rebuild way stronger than they were before because now they have a reputation as being vulnerable. So, if they don't, this is probably going to happen again. So, this was the first emergency declaration for a cyber attack
2: or for a non natural disaster. And this may give the government more flexibility to solve the, the situation and also to built a stronger system because at the end, if we can put in place all the information for this attack, unfortunately we have been in the news all over the world and uh, we are right now being known as uh, the systems that lack a lot of security measures. So if we reestablish the system but do not improve all the missing points of the security standards that we have. we for sure, may receive another attack. So uh, this is very important.
1: This is a shot across the bow at, I think, most major governments. Like, Mm -hmm. the data is inherently vulnerable. Like, you can implement systems and duplications and hot sites and Millions of ways, millions of dollars worth of ways to try and make sure that your data stays good. But like you know, tape backups, you know, classic. Put it on a tape. Put that tape in a safe. Can't, can't, can't get to that. But the, uh, <laughs> you know, seeing a nation be crippled so quickly yeah. by, by, by pretty like I don't want to say it's basic malware, but you know, malware that harasses my be. auntie yeah, yeah. <laughs> similar- similar similar data systems that that harass like you know laymen uh and they're like you know family photos to like shut down a nation and turn off of its like financial systems like that's a big deal you know it so is. I think there's probably the c i o and c s o of every major government or every government probably read those news articles on day zero and probably went oh like you know, yeah. you know thank God this isn't us' Yeah, you know, we've heard about it. Heard about it happening in the hospitals, police services, intelligence associations and agencies. You know, it's it's. I don't know. The more we lean on it, the more vulnerable it becomes. You know.
0: Leon's hopeful that they're going to be able to rebuild. He's hopeful that this kind of an extreme situation is an opportunity to get their you know cyber security house in order to you know sort of transform themselves like Conti is from being a target into being like too much trouble to target. And like you said, it's probably a really good lesson for the rest of the world. If what this story tells us is that these independent groups have reached a level of like power and capability where they can kind of just shut down a whole country just for the publicity of it, just to rebrand, you gotta wonder what they're going to do the next time one of them gets backed into a corner. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody, and thank you in particular to Leon for chatting with me for this episode. I appreciate your time and your insight, and I hope all is well. If you like hacked, patreon.com slash hackedpodcast, best way to support the show. Thank you to our new patrons since the last episode, Sylvester, Mark Walsh. Welcome to the crew. That's patreon.com slash hackedpodcast. Thank you for listening. That is another episode of Hacked in the Bucket. Catch you again soon.